Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Recently, I was getting a key fob programmed uh, for my car. I don't know if I lost it. One of the kids lost it. Beth lost it. We'll just, we'll be safe and say I lost it. But I was recently lost a key fob and had to have it programmed over at Friendship Volvo in Bristol. And I had that feeling that a lot of you have whenever you walk into a car lot and you drive a 2007 and you start to look at all the new cars and, you're, and, I, and I look at a 2022 S60 and I think, man, I'd really like to have that. I'd like to, to drive that. So when I'm speaking to the woman at the parts department, because that's why I'm there for service, when I'm speaking to her, I said, you know, and I'm completely joking, but she doesn't know me, so she doesn't know how to take that. But I say, you know, I think I might lease one of those 2022 S60s today, just completely joking. And then all of a sudden, within 10 seconds, you guys know how this works. Uh, the salesman comes over there and he's like, so Mr. Smith, I hear you might be interested in leasing a 2022 Volvo S60. And my heart starts flying. And like the first time, I, first thing that I think is Beth is going to kill me because I'm one of the tightest people that you've ever been around. Like I'm very, very careful with money. And I was thinking the same thing that some of you uh, would probably be thinking about this car. Uh, my thoughts were this. I love what you have to offer. I really do but I don't want to pay for it. I love what you have to offer, but I don't want to pay for it. So I want you to think about that statement. I love what you have to offer, but I don't want to pay for it. This is the spiritual life of so many people and people that are in this room right now. They want what God has to offer, but they don't want the cost that comes with this life. They want what God has to answer. They want the blessings. They want all the nice things. They want the peace. Of course, they want heaven. They want to know that whenever they die, they're going to be in this safe, wonderful, eternal place. They want that, but they don't necessarily know that they want the cost that comes with it. So today, the people that I'm speaking to that are in here are those that feel stuck. Those that feel that maybe they've invested just a little bit into a spiritual life, or they've thought about a spiritual life, but they've not necessarily made the decision to go any further with what this actually looks like and what this means. Today we're in week 16, I'm sorry, 15, of the series in Acts, Unstoppable Church. We've been talking about this stuff for 15 weeks. We've spent the spring right after Easter and all through the summer in the book of Acts, and we're still just in Acts chapter 8. Last week, we gave you guys a, a little bit of a message on Stephen, the original catalyst for movement within the church. So what we're going to do in the next few weeks is we're going to stop with Acts, 
and we're going to pick it back up next year, because we're only making it through like a third of the book. We're going to pick it up next year, and then we're probably going to do it for a while and then pick it up the year after that as well, because it's so central, the message of Acts, to the direction and the vision of Believer's Church and where we're going. So I'm going to be in Acts chapter 8 today, if you do want to turn there, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 25. If you want to follow on the screen, you can. If you want to follow on your phone, however you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 25, and I'm going to be reading out of the Common English Bible. So what's just happened, we're we're, we're just on the hills of Stephen being stoned. So as a result of Stephen being stoned, the church is forced to scatter out of Jerusalem. So this is what the passage says. Those who had been scattered moved on preaching the good news along the way. Keep in mind, this is right after the death of Stephen. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and began to preach Christ to them. The crowds were united by what they heard Philip say and the signs they saw him perform. And they gave him their undivided attention. With loud shrieks, unclean spirits came out of many people, and many who were paralyzed or crippled were healed. There was rejoicing in that city. Before Philip's arrival, a certain man named Simon had practiced sorcery or magic in that city and baffled the people of Samaria. He claimed to be a great person. Everyone from the least to the greatest gave him their undivided attention and referred to him as the power of God called great. He had their attention because he baffled them with their sorcery for a long, with his sorcery for a long time. After they came to believe Philip, who preached the good news about God's kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself, the magician, came to believe, and was baptized. Afterwards, he became one of Philip's supporters, as he saw firsthand the signs and the great miracles that were happening, he was astonished. When word reached the apostles in Jerusalem that Samaria had accepted God's word, they commissioned Peter and John to go to Samaria. What this means is they're calling in the big guns now. Peter and John went down to Samaria where they prayed with the, that the new believers would receive the Holy Spirit. This was because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on, fallen on any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now this really gets Simon's attention. When Simon perceived that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, give me this authority too, so that anyone whom I lay my hands on will also receive the Holy Spirit. Peter responded, may your money be condemned to hell along with you, because you believed that you could buy God's gift with money. You can have no part or share in God's word because your heart isn't right with God. Therefore, change your heart and life. Turn from your wickedness. Plead with the Lord that the hope, in the hope that your wicked intent can be forgiven. For I see that your bitterness has poisoned you and your evil has you in chains. Simon replied, all of you, please plead to the Lord for me so that nothing that you have said will happen to me. After the apostles had testified and proclaimed the Lord's word, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the good news to many Samaritan villages along the way. So after the death of Stephen, 
this movement of Jesus starts to scatter beyond Jerusalem. We know of Stephen as the first of these seven deacons that are chosen. Talked about this a couple weeks ago. Philip is going to be the second of the deacons chosen. Through Philip's story, we're introduced to this man named Simon the Sorcerer, or Simon the Magician. Simon has a lot to teach us and warn us about so that we can see the true colors of, get this word, inauthenticity that sometimes creeps into gospel movements. Meaning that whenever God is moving among a group of people and everything on a Sunday morning like this seems to be going really, really well, that the enemy is active. And the enemy is looking for any small seam or any area that he can get into and disrupt people and break up relationships and start gossip or rumors or whatever it might look like. Many of you who've been seasoned in church and been in church for a long time, you've seen this take place. You know what this looks like. It's the reason that some of the people that are watching online today, as well as some of the people that are in this room, have such a bad taste in their mouth whenever they think about church or the church experience. So at the Volvo dealership, going back there, I could see myself driving the car that I wanted I just couldn't see myself paying for the car that I wanted. And it reminds me of a question that I believe people secretly ask themselves about God every single day. And some of you have even asked this question this morning. And not necessarily consciously, because it's really embarrassing to actually ask these kinds of questions consciously. But subconsciously, deep down inside of you, this is what is stirring your soul, and this is what you are asking. How can I get the most out of God while giving the least of myself? How can I get the most out of this relationship? How can I ensure that one day I go to heaven? How can I know that I'm good with the man, or, or, or whatever the expression may be, that everything's going to be okay in my life, while at the very same time giving just a little bit of myself. Now, that may look like your, your evening prayer. It may look like once a week or as often as you're able to being in church. But when it comes to dealing with the actual sin and God invading the space that is within you, it's off limits. And this is so many people that are in our culture today. It's the reason that Christianity, it's the reason that this idea of God seems so distorted. We want the blessings of God and all of the good things of God, but not necessarily the difficulty of this lifestyle that comes with it. So Luke tells us about Simon in order to provide caution. And please hear me, Believer's Church. We are in a season, and every single one of these messages, every single word that I have brought to you has been on time within our church. We need to practice great caution right now. As God is moving in this church, as we are seeing incredible things happen, like little Reed this morning, 
We need to pay attention to what's going on around us. So in the midst of great things happening, wonderful things happening, all these Samaritans getting saved, these relationships going well, the enemy can still gain a foothold. And you see churches where it seems that God is doing amazing things. Or, or did you hear about the church so-and-so? They're really grow, uh, across the street. They're really growing. Things seem wonderful. All this stuff's going on. They're, they're helping the poor. They're helping the addicted. They're working in all these different areas. And then all of a sudden, the church split. This happened. This person got angry. That person got angry. This person left. In amazing movements of God, the enemy still has the ability, in fact, it's probably more likely to gain a foothold. And I'll start by saying that it's really amazing what Philip is doing here in this town in Samaria. See, a lot of you, you hear Samaria, <coughs> excuse me, and you just think Samaria. But there is this mutual hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans that has its roots in Israel's history. It's a, it's a very long well-documented history. And I'm going to give you a very long story, short. Okay, very, very short. Intermarriage of some Jews with people from displaced nations led the ethnically pure Jews to often refer to Samaritans as half-breeds. So there was this, this strife between them. Think about modern-day racism and some of the things that we've seen in our own country and around the world, this is what the relationship is like. There is this tremendous tension between these two groups. Now, in addition to culture and language, there are also other differences. For example, the way that they interpret Scripture or the way that they see Scripture. Samaritans look at the Old Testament and they accept the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but not necessarily the prophets, or not necessarily the Psalms. So there's a difference also in the way that they see Scripture. But regardless, due to Philip's ministry, this Hellenistic Jew, due to his ministry, he's taking people that would normally despise one another in these Samaritan communities, and everyone is praising Jesus. So imagine if you've got the, the, the well-to-do and the needle users and, and, and this group, and that group, and ethnically, we're all just different groups in here, all praising Jesus together. People who have maybe not spoken in years to one another, maybe family members that do not get along, everyone together worshiping Jesus. That's what's going on. So John and Peter, they get word of this, and they're like, we need to get down there. We need to see what's going on. They're ready for the next step in this process. They're ready for the next thing that's going on. So these ethnic differences that I mentioned are really only a distraction. And all these good things that are happening, there's something, just like at Believer's Church, all these good things happening, there's something brewing under the surface that's very, very ugly. And this is what it is. There's this man named Simon. Simon is a sorcerer or a, a, magician, a, a magician, as we've said. And this is very common in the ancient world. What we th think about today would be a, a psychic or a fortune teller. Very, very common in, in the ancient world. Society was polytheistic, meaning they believed in a number of gods. So the sorcerer could summon some of these spirits. And people were just fascinated by what they could do. They were actually looked at as, as crooks or, or phonies. Or on the other side of that, sometimes heroes of their society. 
So there were a lot of different ways that they were viewed. Simon knows this world well. He's grown up and he's been weaned in this world. But he also decides to follow Jesus. For whatever reason, what Philip is talking about, he's seen all these people come together. This is amazing to him. And he's like, I want some of this. And this is where we see the tension. And this is where the tension exists in the lives of some of you that are in this room right now. Simon wants to use his new life in conjunction with the old life. He wants to be able to use his new life in conjunction with the old life. So sorcery, magic, plus Jesus sounds wonderful. And for a lot of people, it's it's get hammered, pornography. Nobody knows that I'm a follower of Jesus, but whenever I go to my prayers at night, whenever I uh, go to scripture every once in a while, whenever I I use the expression, I am a Christian because I grew up in church. At some point I was baptized. I never necessarily followed through with that lifestyle. What we try to do on a regular basis, and listen, a lot of times this is really, really good people. These are not like the, the, the people in society that you tend to look down on. A lot of times these are very very upstanding citizens that do a lot of really, really good things that are trying to use this new life in conjunction with the old life. And you've heard the story before. It's pretty common. And this is what the passage tells us in 17 through 19. Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon perceived, Simon is very smart. Simon is a very crafty businessman. Simon perceived that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands. He says, wait a minute, I have hands. You know, maybe I can do this. He offered them money. He said, give me this authority too, so that anyone that I lay my hands on may also receive the Holy Spirit. So let's put this in modern day language. Guys, business is a little slow. You came in town with this Jesus thing, and you kind of hit my market. I'm not having quite the success that I was. So how about you give some of that to me? We're all good capitalists, right? You know, the the, the pie's big enough for all of us. Why don't you give me a little bit of that so that I can also do it? He selfishly wants the power. I know a lot of people who want the peace of God, but they don't want God. I know a lot of people who really want their marriage to work out. They really want things to go smoothly in their lives. But whenever it really comes to turning things over in a relationship with God, they're not willing to give things up. Please understand this today. You can never be elevated until you've been decimated. You can never be lifted up to God until he's taken you to the very bottom of what you are. And there are people in here, you know your rock bottom. You know what it feels like. You've experienced that and you know what God has delivered you from. But there are others in here and this whole Jesus thing is as casual as going to work. I'll throw in a little God here. I'll say some prayers. I'll sprinkle this in. I wish I could explain to you. I wish you could understand today 
through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, how dangerous this is. Because what Simon is seeking to do, because if Simon really got a good dose, he would have never been asking that question. He would have never been offering money. But you see, Simon never really found his rock bottom. He was a magician, a, a, a magician, but with all that he could do, he could never make people as alive as John could. He could never make people as alive as Peter could. He could never make people as alive as Philip could. And as you continue to pour these things into your life, seeking happiness, and maybe trying to sprinkle the idea of God just a little bit here, a little bit there. Well, I messed up again. I'm sorry. Well, I messed up again. I'm sorry. And you see, do you not get tired of the same thing over and over and over again in your life? You cannot live, use this new life in conjunction with the old life. It just doesn't work that way. Soon we'll start to look and we'll just barely get to look at him. Before we get into it deeper next year, but this man named Saul, who's eventually going to be Paul, this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So then if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, that person is part of a new creation. The old things have gone away. You're done with it. It's over. You're not walking back. You're not reinvestigating. And you're saying, I'm not strong enough to do that. You go public. You talk to other people. You grab Christian brothers. You grab Christian sisters. You don't know any. I'll introduce you to some today that can help you to pull you away from this thing that's destroying your marriage. It's been making you bitter and the poison filling up for years and years. And you can't understand why you're so unhappy and why it doesn't work. You can't mix the old and the new. You're part of a new creation. It's brand new. And that's the invitation that I offer to you today. What does it mean to be part of the new creation? What does that look like? It means you take centuries of bad relationships between people called Jews and people called Samaritans, and now they're all praising God together. Yeah, we used to have a problem. Yeah, I looked at them. For generations, we've looked at Samaritans that way. But Jesus has changed my heart. He's changed my life. I don't see the way that I used to. I don't understand why I can't turn that show on anymore. I don't understand why I'm so bothered when I see that person hurt. I don't understand those things. The only explanation is this new life. The only explanation is what God is doing in my heart. Now, let me tell you why I didn't lease, again, the 2022 Volvo S60 other than divorce. I'm not willing to reallocate my finances because of the burden of the payments. It's just a simple, where's Rich at? I think he's in security out there. It's just a simple mathematical answer. I'm not willing to move money around to, to, to have that burden of a payment. And essentially, this is what I'm saying, and this is what some of you are saying right now. Please hear this. I'm not willing to change. Effective message, Matt. Good preaching. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying is true. But I'm just not willing to change. I'm not willing 
to give this church less of my paycheck because of a new car. Heck, I'm not willing to eat out less. I'm not willing with the few vacations that my family gets to take to spend less money on those. I'm not going to burden myself with a, with a new car payment right now. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm completely unwilling to change. Now, I want you to hear this today. This is the reason that so many church people, so many good people, and so many moral people that believe everything is okay are one day going to wake up in a devil's hell. Because they were unwilling to change. And they made the decision to try to use this old life in conjunction with this new life. There is a warning that God is giving early gospel movements in the book of Acts. And as a result of Simon, the sorcerer, there is a warning that we are receiving today. And you see, part of pastoring and part of leading is understanding the season of your church and knowing where you are and knowing how to adapt, not creating a lot of rules, not putting your foot down, but learning to flow with the current of the Spirit and go where the Spirit goes. And that's the only reason. I mean, what do you guys pay me for? To flow with the current of the Spirit. And that's what I do. And that's the place that I try to lead out of. So what do we do? First, we look for the darkness among us. You got to look for the dark. You got to look for the Simons. You've got to look for the dark. You've got to look for the bad relationships. You've got to look toward the bitter people. You've got to find the angry people. You've got to find the people that are displaced. You've got to look for the darkness among you. Some people have motivations that are less than pure. And you have to pay attention to that. And you have to sense that. And you have to be willing and ready to call that out. New life in conjunction with the old life, it does not work. No, the spiritual season of your church. Number two, the Johns and the Peters and the Phillips have to be ready to call out the darkness. Listen at this. Now, listen at this boldness. Can you imagine in a politically correct culture? Can you imagine what this would sound like? This is what Peter says. Peter responded, may your money be condemned to hell. Oh, by the way, along with you, because you believed you could buy God's gift with money. You can have no part in the share of God's word because your heart isn't right with God. Call it out for what it is. See it. Recognize it. Let the Spirit guide you and show you where the darkness is among us. And most importantly, because we are a salt and light community. Shine light on the darkness. Because Peter doesn't stop there. This is what he says. Therefore, after Simon's thinking, no thank you. Therefore, change your heart and life. 
It's the call of the gospel every single time. We don't talk about sin enough. Change your heart and life to what's better for you, better for your future, better for your relationships, better for your marriage, better for your parenting, better for your occupation, better. Jesus is better. Change your heart and life. Turn from your wickedness. Plead with the Lord in hope that your wicked intent can be forgiven. For I see, and this is people in here right now, your bitterness is poisoning you. It's destroying you. And your evil has you in chains. There are people who love what God has to offer. But they reject the cost that comes with it. So we're going to do a couple things today. We're going to come down to this altar and we are going to pray for this season of our church. But there are others of you in here and you're honest enough to admit because God is working in your heart right now. You can say, I'm trying to accept Jesus. I'm trying to love Jesus. I'm trying to grab a hold of these things. But I'm still holding on tightly right here. And listen, you may be 95 years old. You may be 60 years old and think, well, I'm not making a decision like that at this point. You may be in here a teenager, someone who's young and married, and your marriage is just in a horrible place right now. You guys are, are really, really struggling. Could be that you're undergoing some kind of tragedy that none of us in here even know about. And you just need to be willing to say as the Spirit moves through our hearts and lives on this day, I am letting go of the old and completely grabbing a hold of the new. Now, if this is a struggle, you see, when I quit drinking, I could not just quit drinking. I had to let other people know. I had to tell people I'm a drunk, can't stop, don't know how to, I need accountability, and I had to be bold enough to reach out to other people and say, I don't care what it looks like, I've got to have help or I'm going to continue to self-destruct. Some of you are on the verge of destroying everything. This altar is for you. And this morning, if that relationship has never started, if you're in a place where you say, I've, I've had this phony version of Christianity, I've had this phony version of walking with Jesus, I'll be here this morning. I would love to pray with you. I would love to talk to you about that. I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we, as we sing, and I'm going to pray. But I just want you to know today that God is so good. And my prayer is that you will come to him today with your heart. Father, we lift you up and praise you today for the work that you are going to do. God, I pray that for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this place, Father, that every secret sin in this place is sacrificed and laid on the altar today. God, that if there's someone going through a broken heart, someone that's going through a deep area of struggle, 
Father, things that, that other people don't know about that sometimes are so easy to keep within that we are able to release those things today. Father, we don't know the fate of Simon. We don't know what happened, but God, our prayer is that if things ended bad for him, that there are people that will make the, the opposite decision today, God, to just lean in deeper to you, to turn everything to, over to you, and to know that even though this journey is so scary, it is so, so rewarding when we're trusting in you, Father, and we have the bedrock of the saints around us to hold us up, Father, as we fall. God, I pray that we give you nothing less than every single bit of our being today so that the glory of God can be magnified in the Tri-Cities through Believer's Church. We pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.